So that's my challenge to you this morning. Slow down. I don't know about you, but that video is a representation of my life at times. And my brain most of the times. We've got so much stuff going on in our lives. Sporting events for our kids, raking the leaves in the yard, taking care of household projects, soccer playoffs, band competitions, essential oil parties. Now, I don't, I don't go to those things just for the record. I don't get it, but, but I'm not judging anybody. But we get so busy in our lives that we miss what God is doing right under our nose, don't we? And, and more than that, we, if we can't even recognize what God is doing right under our nose, how do we become aware of what is God is doing throughout the world, in different places, in different countries? And that's what we're going to focus. So I'm going to ask you to slow down, to clear your minds. Stop thinking about lunch right now. Stop thinking about your fantasy football lineup. And, and you can quit worrying about Juju Smith, Rogers, whatever his name is, bicycle, it's been found. We're going to focus now on what God is doing through us, what God has chosen us to do throughout the world. Let's take a deep breath and ask God to lead us this morning. Dear Father, we just thank you for who you are for who you are in our lives. Father, we sit before you as your people that you choose to do your work. And we just ask you to speak to us today in terms of what our role is as a church and as individuals and your work throughout the world. Father, we just ask you to fill this room with your spirit, to guide us, to capture our minds and to impress upon us your truth and your desire for us. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who makes it all possible. It's in his holy and precious name that we pray together. Amen. All right, so to get started, I want to take a moment to, to, to get us all on the, on the same page. This may be your first Sunday here. You may be relatively new. So, so this will serve as an, an important point in your journey here and understanding who we are as a church and what God has called us to do as a church and as a people. And if you've been attending for some time or you're a member, it's a reminder of, of what our responsibilities are and, to, and to, to ground us in what God has for us. So we're in, in, we have a, a unifying mission that regardless of what our background is, our religious upbringing, our educational level, that we have a mission statement here at the church that unifies us regardless of any of that on what our purpose is. And that is that we exist to develop followers of Jesus Christ in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, in the greater Pittsburgh area, and throughout the world. And we love the word develop. The word develop has two meanings. First, it means to bring into reality, to develop something. And that's our responsibility to introduce Jesus Christ to those that don't know him, is to help them develop into a relationship with Jesus. And for those that have a relationship with Jesus, 
It's the second meaning, right? Is to, is to, to grow or to make more mature. And so whatever your role is, wherever your walk is with Jesus, our responsibility is to help somebody into a relationship with Jesus or to grow and mature in their relationship with Jesus. That's our responsibility, right? We need to develop followers of Jesus Christ. And our mission statement gives us the context for that. In the South Hills of Pittsburgh, that's where we've been located since 53 years of our history. Okay, right down across the, 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 the county line in Upper St. Clair is the first campus that we had. And the, and the leaders then knew that we were responsible for developing our local community, right? That we are inside of the community and investing in that. And they also knew that it was broader than that, the greater Pittsburgh area. Now today, we can very tangibly see how that's played itself out. We have campuses in Rostraver, in Washington, in Wilkinsburg, in, um, what did I forget? Wilkinsburg, Washington, Rostraver, and Robinson, right? We have physical campuses there. But also, our ministry throughout the community is beyond that, right? Because we, we do caring trees, we have diaper giveaways, we do backpacks, so we're serving the greater Pittsburgh area, And in addition to that, we do ministry through our partners, Human Coalition, Light of Life, the City Mission. So our our ministry spans way beyond just the South Hills of Pittsburgh, all through the greater Pittsburgh area. And also the leaders understood Jesus' challenge to the believers, is his last words before he ascended into heaven, of what our responsibility as believers found in Matthew chapter 8, verse 9. It says, therefore, go and make disciples. Where? Of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is what I want us to take our time talking about today. What is God calling us to do? What's our responsibility to work alongside him throughout the world? Because God has called us to more than just the South Hills, more than just the greater Pittsburgh area, but to partner in his work throughout the world. Now, if we're honest, as we think about this work, right? we talked about how busy we are, that it's, we find it hard to do the things that God has in front of us right under our own nose, Right, whether it's serving in youth ministry, serving in the campus, or in children's ministry. And we think, God, we got enough here. Why do we have to worry about the stuff going on in Spain and Singapore and Japan and India and China? Isn't that why we support missionaries? Well, that's partly true. And we are blessed to have missionary partners throughout the world. And I want to remind you of who they are just real quickly. We have, we have four missionary partners in Panama. Um, three of them work directly with Word of Life, um, sharing the gospel with youth and discipling kids in a relationship with Jesus. Um, uh, Tracy Delabasich, you guys know we've prayed for Tracy. She's still actively involved in the ministry after Mirko's passing this year, still actively engaged. We also have Luis and Nadelka Cano. 
And um, Luis and Adelka, you guys know about Anna Panama. They taken in Janet and Marcia, who were part of Anna Panama, and adopted them into their family. Now they are a family of four. And then Wampi and Celia Mall is engaged again in that ministry. Also in Panama, we have John and Bianca Fowler, right? John used to be our student pastor here. And John is engaged with another organization focused on training and equipping pastors in planning churches to strengthen the local church in Panama. We partner with Jim and Karen Blumenstock in Thailand. You're going to hear about them in a second. And what I love about how they got introduced to us is Karen is Jay Ware's sister. And Jay Ware was our senior high pastor who left just late last year to go into missions full-time himself. We also partner with um, Ken and Carol Muckle in Spain. And they are working hard sowing the seeds of the gospel. Get this, less than 3% of the people in Spain go to church. Forget a good Bible teaching church. 3%, less than 3%. We also partner with Gabby and Mara Mataraz in Hungary. This young couple is investing in sharing the gospel and spreading the gospel on college campuses, right? The, 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 the veil or the, the heaviness of communism has been lifted, and this generation is open to truth, and they are investing in the lives of these young college people. We also have a family which, for security reasons, um, working in Turkey in a hard-closed Muslim country, that's sometimes I wish my picture looked like that. But the full truth is that, that God has called us to do more than just support these missionaries financially. God has chosen our church. God has chosen you and me to be involved, to co-labor with them in their work in these places. God has chosen you and me to pray for them. God has chosen you and me to care for them. God has chosen you and me to support them. See, God's call to us is to develop followers of Jesus Christ, not just in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, not just in the greater Pittsburgh area, but throughout the world. And get this, God not only has chosen us to work with these missionary partners, I even think about Robin Schweitzer right now, one of our very own that served on our outreach team is serving for two years in Nairobi, Kenya. So God not only has chosen us to work through them, but also some of the ministry partners that we got to meet through them. And I want to tell you about one of those relationships. So Jim and Karen Blumenstock in Thailand, Jim is the dean of Asia Theological Bible Seminary, a doctrinally sound Bible-based seminary that is focused on developing Christian leaders and pastors in the whole Southeast Asia area, particularly in Thailand right in the heart of where, where things are controlled by Buddhists. 93.2% of Thailand is Buddhist. 5.5% is Muslim. 
That's 98.7% of 70 million people that don't know Jesus. Well less than 1% claim to be Christians. And their ministry is centered in this tough area, training these pastors, training these ministry leaders to do God's work, not just in Thailand, but in Singapore, in the Philippines, in Miramar, in Papua New Guinea, in India. See, they are completely aligned with our mission to develop followers of Jesus Christ throughout the world. God has chosen us to work with them. God has also chosen us to work with one of the ministry partners that we met through them. And I want to introduce you to her. Her name is Maria. Now, Maria, I know in Thailand, is watching online. So, Maria, we love you. We thank God for our relationship with you. And I can't wait to tell all these people about what God is doing through you. But Maria is a Filipino. And she was a medical representative for an American pharmaceutical company. And while at a gathering of Baptist women over there, she became burdened with the plight of women in Miramar. And Miramar is formerly Burma, and it's on the northwest side of Thailand. And God was calling her to do something about it. Well, the problem is that when Maria went to go, Miramar was closed to missionaries, so she was advised to go to May Sot, Thailand, which is right on the border. She was untrained. She was under-resourced. She was full of doubt. She was full of fear. But when she arrived in May Sot, it became clear on why God sent her there. And if you don't know... Miramar is one of the world's greatest humanitarian crisis and refugee crisis in the world right now. The the military is cracking down on people, primarily along the outer edges of Thailand, abusing people, killing people, and millions of people are fleeing the country. Many of them coming into Thailand, we don't even know how many. For decades, these people have been oppressed. And we do know what Maria found is when she went there that there are a refugee camp set up. A hundred thousand people living in poverty, in squalor along the border of Miramar in Thailand. And where we see these people where, 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 there, where there's starvation is an issue. Resources are an issue. Security is an issue. These people are forced into slave labor conditions. Women are forced into prostitution to support themselves. And young children often fall victim to human trafficking and sex trafficking. In fact, Thailand is one of the worst countries in the world for human trafficking even more so for sex trafficking young girls. And it's in the midst of this mess, in the midst of this despair, that Maria has found her life's calling. The Maria started Faith House, where she is caring for 43 young girls, 34 young girls, sorry, whose parents are absent, The parents aren't engaged in their lives. They're disinterested. 
They've moved on. Maybe they've even been killed, but they've basically been abandoned. These girls were at risk for being sold into sex trafficking. They've been abused by their family, forgotten by their families. And she and her staff care for them, love on them, and help them mature spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And God has chosen us, you and me, to be part of that work. And guys, we're responding. We sent our very first team last year. And when they were there, they invested in the staff. They taught them living grounded. They invested in these 34 young girls, taught them living grounded. Cut their hair. Shared scripture and shared the gospel with them. And get this, they even afterwards did the, the drill down session on living grounded for spiritual identity. Right? In the Southeast Asian culture, family is king. And these girls have been abandoned by their families, abandoned by their parents. Their identity can't be in their family, but they've been taught that their identity is in Jesus Christ, that they are secure, that they are significant, that they are accepted, that they are forgiven, and they are empowered through the relationship with Jesus. Me and five other people have the privilege of going back in February to continue that work. Through beyond these walls, through your generosity, Money has been put aside to, to, to help these girls develop a, 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 uh, a skill set or a trade so that they can support themselves, stand on their own two feet, and be the women that God has created them to be. God chose us to be involved in our lives. The question is, what role will you play? Now, can you imagine what was going on in Maria's mind when God said, Maria, you need to get involved. I said, who am I? What do I know? I'm a Filipino. That might as well have been on the other side of the world for her. She's untrained. She's not a counselor. She wasn't a psychiatrist. She didn't have any resources. She didn't even feel that she can get to where God was calling her to go. What about if I go and they don't listen to me? What am I going to do without any resources? But regardless of the doubts, regardless of the questions and the fear, Maria went. God gave Maria a vision. And Maria holds on to it tightly. Now, Maria certainly isn't the only person to be overwhelmed by what God was asking them to do. I stand guilty. And I know that many of you have been overwhelmed by what God has asked you to do or is asking you to do. We're not alone. Do you know who else felt overwhelmed by what God asked them to do? Moses. The great man of faith, 
the great man of faith that we just read about in Hebrews chapter 11, in the, in the hall of faith, Moses had a time in his life where he was overwhelmed by what God was asking him to do. And what I want to do is I want to look at this time period in his life to see what we can draw out of it and apply to our lives that we can find God's comfort and encourage to do what God is asking us to do. So take out your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to start verse 1 to 4. Before we do, though, I want, to set a, I want to set a little context. At this time in Egypt, the Israelites were starting to outnumber the Israelites. Okay? The Israelites were starting to outnumber the Egyptians. And so the king issued a decree to kill all the, men, the baby boys that were being born, to keep them under their thumb. Well, Moses' mother put him in a basket, put him in the Nile River to save him. Pharaoh's daughter ends up finding him and ends up raising him as a prince in Pharaoh's house. Okay, so this all goes along, Moses being raised, until the day where, where Moses sees one of the Hebrews being abused. And Moses stepped in to help that Hebrew and in the process ends up killing an Egyptian. Well, he tried to hide it. But they found out about it, and fearing for his life, Moses had to, to, to flee. And he ended up going to Midian. And he spent 40 years in Midian. He got married there. So this is where we're going to pick up the story. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is 80 years old at this point, out tending sheep. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to start verse 1 to 4. Here we go. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. All right, so we've got this direct dialogue. God and Moses, mano y mano. God is engaging Moses. I've got something for you to do. And we're going to see what that is in verses 7 to 8. Look at verse 7 to 8. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. Jump down to verse 10. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Right? So God's clear. Look at him straight in the eye, basically, and saying, now go. I told you what to do. It's time for you to go do it. So clearly Moses is speaking to God. He's going to do what God says, right? 
Not a chance. Look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses is like, Who am I? God, I am one person. And let me remind you, right? The last time I tried to help out your people, I ended up killing somebody and got me into the mess that I've been in for the last 40 years. You've got, a, you've got a big problem in Egypt. And how can I, as one person, be the solution to the problem of your people being captured and abused down there? And look how God responds to him in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. My presence will be with you. I don't send you alone. I'm in this with you. We're together. We're partners. I, you don't go out alone. I've got your back. When I send you to do something, I'm with you. That should find, you should find comfort in that. You should find courage in that. Well, does he find comfort and courage in that? <laughs> Not quite. Verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Write more excuses. What about they don't listen to me? What am I going to do? He says, I'm more than I'm going to help you. Look at that. He says, who am I that I should go? Then he says, what about if they don't listen to me? Other excuses. I can't do what you're asking me to do. But God responds, I am who I am. Not only am I going to send you, but you're going in my name. The God of the universe sent you. God goes on to say in this exchange that I will hold out my hand. I will raise my arm. It will be my power to get this stuff done. Moses, this is not about you. It's about me, but I have chosen you to be part of it. I'm going to help you. I have the skills. I have the power. So Moses obviously goes at this point, right? Well, not quite. I will be with you, he says. And jump down to verse, uh, where we at? Say to like this God of your father, son of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. And look at verse 13. Suppose I go and I don't say to them. And then finally, verse 1, what if I, they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Verse, chapter 4, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech, slow of tongue. Moses is saying, God, I don't have the giddy up. I don't have the skills. I don't have the talent. I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. I don't have what it takes to do this. 
How in the world do you expect me to speak on your behalf and get them to do what you want them to do? And God's right. God's like, you're right. It's not about your measly power. It's not about your measly power, Moses. Look at chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. The Lord said, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Listen, Moses, for the third or fourth time, I am going to go with you. My presence will be with you. My power will work through you. I will give you what you need to do what I'm calling you to do. Trust me in this. Now go. Now surely, Moses would respond at this point, wouldn't he? Not quite. Look at verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13. But Moses said, Oh Lord, Please send someone else to do it. Not me. Lord, send someone else. Lord, I hear you. I hear what you're saying to me. I understand even why you're telling me to go. But I just don't want to do it. Pick someone else. And every time I read this, I chuckle to myself. Because I've been Moses. God has been really clear to me. But there is just times in my life that I do not want to do what God is asking me to do. And I'm sure And many of you have been challenged and didn't want to do what God wanted you to do. See, so often we think that if God was just direct with us, if God just spoke to us like he did with Moses and said, Scott, go do this, that somehow lickety split, we would be all over it. Come on, God, just send me a text message and I'll just do it. But see, here's the point. God does speak to us directly. And it's through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And God is clear what he wants from us. God is clear on what work he has for us to do. God's not confused. God doesn't need talked out of what he's asking us to do. And God's not confusing. We're the problem. We're the ones that create confusion because too much of what we want is mixed in with what God wants. And many times, if we're really honest, we don't want God to tell us what he wants us to do. We want God to tell us what we want to do. And we ask him to bless us when we go along our way. 
See, we are the issue. We are the, conclu- the, the confusion. And we think that somehow in this arguing with God, ignoring God, this confusion that we try to create, that somehow God's going to go away and choose someone else to do the work. But that's not the way that God works. And I love what he demonstrates here in this back and forth with Moses. That regardless of how many excuses, the tension that exists between them, no matter how many times he tried to get out of it, God never gave up on him. That God's patience is through this whole story. It's through the whole exchange back and forth. And I love what he does here. Look at this last exchange, verses 14 to 17. Said, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you to do what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if you were, he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. And what I love is when we peek at the very next verse in the NIV, it said, Then Moses went. So after all the doubt, after all the fear, after all the excuses, that through that exchange with God, Moses found comfort. Moses found courage. That God's presence was going to go with him. God's power was going to work through him. And that God would provide everything that he needed to do what God was calling him to do. Then he went. Maybe you can relate to Moses here. See, maybe God is is speaking to you. Maybe not moving to another country, giving up your family and job as a lifelong missionary. But maybe God's calling you to to get engaged and go on one of the short-term trips that we have. Maybe God is, is leaning into you and wants you to support financially the missionaries or the ministries or those going on these short-term trips. Maybe God's asking you and has chosen you to be a a serious prayer partner for those that have went long-term and go in the short term. Maybe God has resourced you in such a way that when the missionaries do come back, that you have an extra bed, an extra car, and a gift of hospitality to host them in your home so they can raise support and get recharged before going back out in the field. See, God's chosen you and me to be involved in his work throughout the world. And just like Moses, with Moses, he's not going to give up pursuing us until we are doing what he's asked us to do in this area. 
Because if he's calling you to go on a short-term trip, guess what? He's going to provide the resources. He's going to provide the time off of work for you to go. He's going to provide the comfort and he's going to provide the courage to deal with your anxiety about flying or working in tough conditions. If God is leaning into you and wants you to support missionaries or ministry or short-term people going on a trip, guess what? God's going to provide for you. He's not going to give up because you don't want to do it or do you think it's a bad idea? So where will it be for you? Will it be a partner with the work that God is doing through Maria and Faith House in Thailand? Going or praying or giving or supporting the life-changing work that they are investing in the 34 girls that God's placed there? Helping them grow emotionally, spiritually, physically to be the women that God has created them to be? Maybe it's Kenya with AIC Zion Church and Reverend Wambua where we have been chosen, you and me, to care emotionally, physically, spiritually, and through education. 600 children that live in the slums of Mathari. Maybe it's in Hungary. Praying for and supporting Gabby and Mara, where you've got a whole generation of young people on college campuses that are free to think for themselves for the, for the first time, to hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. We have a new ministry partner in Nicaragua, partnering with, with two or three local churches, providing for the poorest of poor children in one of the poorest countries in the world sharing the gospel and providing their, their physical needs so they can grow up to be the men and women that God's created them to be. Or in Spain. Guys, less than 3% of people go to church. That's where, that's where we were evangelized from. That's where the Reformation started in Europe and the church is dead. How will we take part in that? Guys, we can't get around the fact that God has chosen us, you and me, to be engaged in his work, not just in the South Hills, not just in the greater Pittsburgh area, but throughout the world. And I want to finish the same way that we started. I'm going to ask you to slow down. I'm going to ask you to, to take a breath. In a minute, I'm going to give you a minute or so to pray. Each of you, when you came in in the bulletins, you have the, there's a response card that you should have. If you don't have the response card, you can use any. You can use the bulletin or a piece of paper. And we're going to ask you to respond after you spend a little bit of time in prayer. And how are you going to be engaged? You have a book in your hand, you should, about the mission trips that are out 
and about the ministry and the, the partners that we are. And when you leave after spending a short time in prayer, I'm going to guide us through all of our campuses through that. You can drop them off at the baskets as you exit all of the services. I'm going to ask that God challenges you here. Well, there's been many in our church that have gone, that have given generously, that have been part of what God is doing throughout the world through this church for many, many years, and we cannot be more thankful to you. But some of you haven't. And my prayer is that today, today would be the day that you realize and can commit to what God is asking you to do, whether it's going, giving, praying, caring, whatever that is. And that the rest of your story will be written like it was in Exodus chapter 4, verse 18. And then Moses went. But for you, it would be, and then he went. I made a commitment, and then she went. So right now, let's take this time. Just in the quiet that will be at all of our campuses. Take this moment to pray. Take this moment to ask God, what have you chosen me to do? To partner in your work throughout the world. Let's take a minute to pray.